Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker. Hi, friend. Hi. This is Amy. And this is Zoe. And this is I'm I'm with the the boy boy band. band. The ultimate boy band podcast. Yes. So professional. So called because we are establishing through the science of boy bandology who is the ultimate ever boy band we are the world's first boy bandologists first and only first and only we subscribe to the religion of boy bandipity yes yes (laughs) oh i like yes yeah and we worship at the altar of I don't know really. What do we worship? Just nothing. <laughs> we love boy bands. Boy band nudity? <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. This is a weird start, but we're going with it. Yeah. How is how are you? I'm good. How are you? We never do that. How are you? I'm is your a heart condition all sorted? <laughs> yes, I uh, I'm good. still here. I'm not gonna die. That's good news. I have to apologise. Apparently one of my besties, Ronnie. Mm. Now, um... wait, wait, wait. Before we go any further, I really don't think we should mention Ronnie because Ronnie keeps telling me, you mention me in like every episode. She feels <laughs> like this is a podcast about her. So maybe we can get through a week where we don't mention Ronnie. I didn't think we mentioned her that much. No, I don't think we mentioned her that much She's either. like, you talk about me all the time. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> she didn't say that. Apparently Ronnie only found out that I'd been unwell by listening to the podcast, mm. which means she didn't watch our Instagram live. But it does mean she's listening to the podcast. Yes. But I so. just... And the only reason for that was that it was all done and dusted before while she was in bed. Yeah. But I went to hospital at half four in the morning here and I was back home by half eight. Yeah. So... That's pretty good stats. NHS waiting times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was only me and two other women in there. Oh, what did they have? I don't know. Oh. Okay, well, I'm pleased you're doing well. I am too. Oh, how are you? Fine. <laughs> yep, all good. Elvis? He's great. He's recovered from his mystery abscess. I don't know if we talked about this on here or not, no. but yeah, he's good. Okay. Yeah, working Excellent. week. Huh? Any big news from your working week? Nope. <laughs> we need that. I had Friday off. It was amazing. Oh, I had Although Tuesday, I did, Tuesday Wednesday off. I did then go and... Um, and all day researching yes that's exactly it i also we're planning a big boy band soon and i went to my parents house last night to look through boxes of books to locate this book that zoe was on the cusp of purchasing and i was like stop i have that book and i got there and discovered that the boxes of books were in fact boxes of dvds and i have no books there i think i must have donated it to the charity shop when i moved there's a very good chance then that i'm about to get back your book because i bought it (laughs) from one of those book warehouses (laughs) on amazon it's like we don't have this but here are some other people that do great you know the ones that charge you like one p for the book and then 78 pounds for posting it yes i've never actually used them but i did have a look to see if the book was on audible because i thought that would be a good way for me to read it but i wasn't <laughs> yeah anyway so we're not gonna we're not gonna divulge who that boy band is yeah, going to this be this whole chunk yeah. of books so i think i ordered like five or six books because mm. like well why i'm doing it mm. i may as well just yeah making good use of our patreon money yes that's right and the shipping charge if you're gonna pay for shipping do it in bulk 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, boy band news. You have this week's show notes. We yes. have approached this very professionally this week and actually written down the shit we want to talk about. And, and shock horror, I've written it, which never happens. <laughs> Zoe's the one with a notepad normally. Uh, Blazing Squad. Reuniting. I mean, are they... They seem to be far fewer of them than there were last time around. Yeah, yeah, definitely fewer of them. Four or five. Someone sent us a, was it a screen grab that Claire sent us on Facebook about the reunion mm. to alert us to it. Claire's like our boy band happenings klaxon. Anything happens, Claire's <laughs> like girls. Just trying to see if it was on Facebook or she just tagged us on Twitter, maybe. Well, I, I well, you said to me a minute ago, name one member of Blazing Squad. And I say, Kenzie. It's the one everyone can name. And why is this? He was in Celebrity Big Brother. Yes. And then he dated Jodie Marsh. Oh, did he? Oh, I don't know. I might be spreading rumours. <laughs> no, I see. I That's as much as I know about Blazing Squad is Kenzie. And Kenzie was also part of the big reunion. We'll get to that later in this episode. Oh, okay. Was okay. Uh, yeah. Mm. So that's another thing I wanted to talk about. So let's continue on this, and then I want to talk about Dane Bowers, serial boy bander. Mm. Did you find that from the notes that I wrote this week? And it was like, oh, listing all the bands that he's been involved with. Oh no. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I like, no, I did the same thing. I was like, yep, another level. Yep. Um, fifth story. Yep. Oh, bad boys on the block. Okay. Uh, upper street. Yeah. It's just endless. <laughs> endless. Was he in Upper Street as well? Oh, no. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, Dane. Got a pair of pipes on him, though. Wow. Like the boy can sing. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. We all know what that was going to be. So I'm just... He did date... Jodie Marsh. Yeah, dated Glamour Joddle. Glamour model Jodie Marsh in 2005. Controversial. I like Jodie Marsh. I quite like Jodie Marsh. Only era thing she did that I was I was kind of like a bit weird was it the MTV show where she got married no oh, the, that was weird the outfit that was just two belts. bullets thing belts that she keeps selling but apparently she's so do you, you read pop bitch don't you uh, sure let's say yes <laughs> so she auctioned them off for charity or and then she auctioned them off again mm. and then a third time oh. sold well the she same. had a few in different colours oh okay in I, fairness I'll let her off but that was the only thing I was kind of like it's a bit yeah. like you be you go out and do your thing like you've, you've got a cracking body i like jodie marsh because i think she's really this is not boy band related but <laughs> i think she's really found out figured out who she is and she i think she's great she's remained celibate in between relationships because she's like fuck you i just i just really yeah. like what and she really cares about she's quite empowering yes she is yeah yeah Okay. Anyway, Jodie Marsh Kenzie, over. Blazing Kenzie's squad. the only one that I know because he was in Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah, that's the only one I know too. There's... Did they sang Crossroads? Yes. And they sang they had, one other so, that I would know. Which would be, hang on, I'll tell you right now, yeah, it's you... going to be... Oh, hang on, I went so too far down. The crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. Uh, Love on the Line. Mm. Isn't that a Northern Line song? <laughs> no, it's Love on the Northern Line. <laughs> You can see where there was the confusion. <laughs> they had seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top ten hits mm. between 2002 and 
Wow. Well, when we get to our Blazing Squad episode, it will be... We'll give you a complete run through. I was like, I don't want to go through all of them because then that's just the episode done. And we'd be like, yeah. okay, two boy bands done this week. <laughs> there were 600 members. They had seven top 10 hits. But have we mentioned Blazing Squad previously on the podcast? Can we claim boy band dippity with Blazing Squad? Mm. Or just a general vibe, like our presence in the world well, has bought... Yes, that. But also, Kenzie features... Very tenuously in my story this week, Boy Band of the Week. And I did watch some stuff with Kenzie in it before this Blazing Squad thing was okay. announced. Is that, oh, is that too so tenuous? The speed of Boy Bandipity <laughs> is so fast now that we're not even catching it. We just have to think Boy Band and they just all fucking reunite. <laughs> they're like um, so hard. They're like magnetic NSYNC. filings just yeah. to psht, all back together again. Okay, other Boy Band news? So you said something about a news... Oh, yes. Yeah, so I wanted to... I found this... This was tweeted this morning. I think it was in this morning's papers. I saw it yesterday. Okay, maybe yesterday's papers then. Okay. Um, Take That have managed to secure a great Christmas present from film bosses, a role in a brand new blockbuster. Christmas present. This is old news. Gary Barlow has revealed the group has secured cameos in the movie version of the band which became the fastest-selling musical theatre tour of all time this year. The singer said, The movie will be like the musical, and I'm very excited that I've talked them into letting us be in the movie. We weren't going to miss that chance. We don't want the young ones getting all the credit. It's unknown what roles Gary, Mark Owen and Howard Donald will play, but it's likely they'll get to perform some of their famous hits featured throughout the show. Gary added, Tim Firth is just finishing the script at the moment. He tells me it's great, and I believe him because he's great. That will be shot next summer and hopefully in worldwide cinemas the following January or February. That's very excited and once that movie has come out, I think we'll see the show back in the West End. Let's hope the film is as big a success as a musical. Right. So, so this must have come out. mentions picture, Christmas present. That picture of the three of them against the backboard. Is, mm. Does it say the Elton John AIDS Foundation? All I can see is 25 on it and then the band, the musical logo. I think that's the night at the 4th of December. At Where the you stalked them? Yeah. So no, this... I was in the audience that oh, night. Stalking. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's from December. I don't think that's new news. Okay. I think it's just redoing someone, the rounds. Someone tweeted it this yeah. morning. Maybe. So what was the news that you saw about the film then? I knew that it was happening. Oh, that was all that it was yeah. happening. So it must be filming now then. They're going to film well, next you know, summer. That's now. They've all gone on this holiday after the end of the tour and Gary's in LA. Howard's, I don't know what the fuck Howard's doing, boring Instagrams. And Mark's, <laughs> Mark's somewhere hot. He took a picture of him somewhere hot. I don't know, Bali maybe or Thailand or somewhere like that. And um, yeah, Gary said that he was going to have some announcements in September. But I figured there would be some kind I mean, of that's music just project. Your birthday, surely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be with him on my birthday, as we all know. But um, yeah, so fingers crossed. There's going to be some good shit to come out of that. It's the second boybandish film because there's the one, the script that's being written by. She's oh. called Fangirls. Yeah. The movie. Yeah. So I used to be normal. Is 
on telly in Australia at the moment. It's on Foxtel sometime this weekend. So it can't be long before... We get it over here and properly. And we can actually watch it again. Yeah, because so you can get it on demand, like an on-demand type service in the States. Oh, and if you're one of our multitude of American listeners and you haven't watched it, you really should go and watch it. Yeah, it's excellent. Should. It's really, really good. Oh, and the other thing is I bought a book this week because the director of I Used To Be Normal, Jessica, yes. retweeted a book that was written by a girl called, I want to say she's called Hannah Ewins, and it's called Fangirls. Oh. And apparently it's telling the story of fangirls and how much we contribute to to society and culture yes. i've not started reading it yet because i also bought another book by a guy and this one is a book made from his university thesis so it's very you know analytical yes <laughs> but he worked in the pwl studios oh. and then also from pwl set up his own production studios that work with a lot of boy bands so i'm in the middle of reading that so i haven't started fangirls yet but it's called fangirls and it's by hannah ewins okay i'm gonna definitely check that out it's like 18 quid but i think it's worth 80 it. quid 18 i mean that might as well be 80 <laughs> <laughs> good and then finally in our boy band news this week which you will have heard in our mini episode the o-town album came out yeah as you know we loved it we do love it. Favourite boy band. Fa- the, fav- pod, the podcast. Friends of the podcast. Yeah. And the, pod, the podcast's favourite boy band. Yes, that's absolutely accurate. So thank you, O-Town, for Although filling our ears. Yeah, we're very easily, like, we pleasure. do fall in love with boy bands quite well, easily, don't we? it's funny because we do, like, When you're obviously. doing the research and watching all the videos and doing the bits and pieces like that, it's very easy to go, oh, these are great. Okay, well, we are going to come back in a second and talk about our picks for our boy band playlist this week and we're also going to talk about the big reunion the boy band version yeah we want we're gonna put we're gonna construct our own big reunion our version what if you and i Mm. were yeah putting it together what we do if it wasn't run by andy peters (laughs) (laughs) what would happen yeah back after this Okay, we're back. What are you looking at? I'm just putting up the spreadsheet because I think we should do the big reunion. Oh, we're doing that first. The big boy band reunion, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we laying down rules first. So rules are it has to be a boy band. Yeah, absolutely. They can't currently be back together. Correct. And we, if I think we have. We're going to fill it with five boy bands. We're going to pick five. or six, in case we each have different ones. Well, I just thought we could negotiate and make our oh, cases. See, I was ones. about to say, this, it's not a competition. Oh. <laughs> it's a discussion. Do you want to start? I'm starting with the obvious. NSYNC? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with NSYNC. Do we lay them out before we vote? We'll lay out the ones we want, and then we can vote on who we want in. Okay, so I'm going to choose Bad Boys Inc. Oh, Okay. Good shout, good shout. My next um, choice is McFly. Oh, good call, good call. Mm. I think they, I think it's time. Don't you know that the time... It's not not McFly song. Sorry, my bad. I, uh, I'm looking, I would quite like, and this is going to be a judgment call, because they do kind of still play, but not with their original lineup. Okay. 
because they fell out with Tony Hadley. Oh, yes. And I would quite like Spandau Ballet. Yeah, I think you can put them in. Okay, so my third and final choice is the Beatles. Oh. Because they are obviously the ultimate boy band in terms of being the first. But actual big reunion, putting on the TV show, filming it, getting back together is going to be vaguely hard. I know, but this is a fantasy world. Or are we going to pitch this to them? (laughs) Because, I mean, Ringo Starr is not going to be interested. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we might be able to get Macca involved. Then it just becomes Paul McCartney, doesn't it? Not a boy band. (laughs) What, Paul McCartney himself? Yeah. The Beatles were doing a... Was it the Beatles or George Harrison's Twitter this week was doing a... Have, oh, it must have been the Beatles. He was like, have you got any questions for the Beatles? And I wanted to be like, are you a boy band? And I was like, actually, I don't need to ask. I already know. <laughs> it's so true. So if we're allowed dead people, mm. then I'm changing up my third one and I'm calling Wham. What were you going for? I think I was going to go for the monkeys. Oh, also dead members <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the main so mickey dolan's is who was the one pete is it pete oh, yeah he sake. died recently he's not the one i'm thinking of it's the main front man of davy yes who i also want to call davy crockett no he's isn't he davy jones <laughs> yes yeah well, well we'll put wham in as the third choice okay and we're picking how many five five out of the six okay so let's go to our options again so i did Wham, Spandau. My third choice was. Oh my was. god! <laughs> Who was it? Bad Boy Sync. Thank you. And I did In Sync, McFly, and the Beatles. We just have to pick five. We just need to drop one. I'm going to make an argument now to drop the Beatles because <laughs> no way, because they're so big. Yeah. When you think of the big reunions, all bands that had a lot of success for a short amount of time mm. and they were all very level with each other yeah like they're all as a, like on comparison there wasn't a star turn yeah and i think if you leave the beatles in our lineup there's a star turn and everyone else just becomes okay there's some band playing with the beatles fine we take the beatles out and then we watch the fireworks as we put in all the people that hate each other <laughs> which is basically just spandau yeah. Because everyone else loves each other. They're going to be the... They won't be in the same room as each other. One of them <laughs> has to be filmed separately. Yes. They have security on standby. Oh, That's... this is very similar to my story from this week. So, okay, good. Right, so our big reunion lineup is In Sync, Bad Boys Inc. McFly. Wham. And Spandau Ballet. Yeah. What, who, who would you pick? Let us know. Stick it in our Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm never in. You're you're there more than me. Yeah, right, it's true. I fucking am. I hate Facebook so much. Okay, then. Good. Moving well, I'm, on. I'm pleased we've done that. Let's pick our songs for this week's ultimate boy band chart thing. I'm going first because I think my choice this week follows on really nicely. So we finished off last week with you had chosen the Beatles in my life, mm. and I went with the Jacksons. Can you feel it? With a track from English boy band Five. It comes off there. Bloody love five. I fucking love five so much. <laughs> I just wish Jay would. And I know he's moved on. And he doesn't want to be in that, the big reunion way. He doesn't want to be involved in that. It's, it's not his thing anymore. Something but about um, boy band members called Jason, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. What, that they just, they're quitters? Yeah, Jason Orange. <laughs> <laughs> so this track is off their second album, which was called Invincible. The album was released 
in November 99 and then in the States in May of 2000. They took four singles off this one. Uh, among them was We Will Rock You, which was the track that they did with Queen, which went to number one. The song I've chosen also went to number one. It was released as a single in October of 99. It was their first UK number one single and it made them the 16th biggest selling boy band single of the 90s. Oh. Which, when you think about who was in the 90s for them to be up against, the 90s would have encompassed New Kids, Take That, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. So it received platinum certification. It sold 600,000 copies. My contribution to the ultimate boy band chart this week is keep on moving from God, five that was such a build-up <laughs> <laughs> sorry do you feel no it's just because i'm gonna go i pick damage love to love and i'm not giving you a history because that's our boy band of the week so you're going to hear all about it after this excellent Right, this week's boy band of the week is Damage and Shock Horror. I researched it. That's right. I'm so proud of you. Well, I mean, I'm proud of myself. I have managed to find time. Work is not as intense as it has been for multiple reasons. And (laughs) I've been taking some days off for self-care. And when I say self-care, I mean research. So this is the story all about how (laughs) no this is a story of damage sit back zoe relax i'm relaxed i'm over here thinking i don't have to do shit this week (laughs) well we'll see about that (laughs) so damage is a british r&b boy band formed in 1995 by raz bromfield although he is named as something else Later on in the big reunion, Raz McClimont. Yeah, I have questions about that. I mean, it could be all kinds of reasons. I googled it, couldn't find any trace of Raz McClimont. Anyway, so Raz Bromfield and Noel Simpson. So it's written Noel, but it's pronounced Noel, it For seems. Him, pronounce it however you want, dude. Who was Your st- name. That's right. <laughs> they were students of the Barbara Speak Stage School in the London neighbourhood of Acton, which. Of all places in the world to have a stage school Acton would be the last place I'd name yes it's an interesting part of the world it's not it's kind of it's along the road from Notting Hill but nowhere near as cool I used to hang out in Acton <laughs> with um so Mark from the Blue Tones flat was in Acton and when we used to go out of clubbing with Mark that's where we'd go back to did you used to go to the Redback no, so we used to go clubbing in town, and then we'd be all piling uh, back to Mark's house to stay up all night and Acton's drink and this smoke. Weird little music centre of London. It's near Ealing. It's not far from Wembley, and it's full of like warehouses. Yeah, and this Australian pub called and the corner Redback. shops. Every yeah. other shop is a corner shop. Yes. So, Acton, uh, Ras was tired of doing auditions for bands, so he decided to start his own. He approached Noel and they decided to give it a shot. They went and collared Jade Jones. He was brought in when they heard him singing a high note. And they were like, yes, Jade, yes. Uh, One high note. (laughs) One high note, yeah. They should listen to O-Town. They'd recruit them all. (laughs) 
Andre Harriet, who was a student at the Sylvia Young Theatre School... Or was... actual proper theatre school. <laughs> <laughs> he was recruited after he and Jade performed together in a musical play, Carmen Jones. Uh, Andre sang a Boys to Men song at his audition. They said, classy. Says, yep. Classy. And then finally, Corey sang for them at a bus stop. <laughs> Even more classy. <laughs> <laughs> Noel says the moment he opened his mouth, they were like, wow, okay, you're phenomenal. So it was kind of the elusive organic boy band because they met when they were like teenagers and they put themselves together. Yeah. So the lineup we've got is Raz, Noel, Jade, Andre, and Corey. Just so we've all got their names for people who are asking. <laughs> they, hit it, <laughs> they hit it off straight away with dance routines and pretending to be the coolest kids in their stage school. They were <laughs> spotted at a Manchester talent show by an A&R and they were signed to Big Life Records after sending a copy of their single Anything, which is a cover of the Jackson 5 song, to Jazz Summers. Now, Jazz Summers is Gordon Summers, nicknamed yeah. Jazz, who co-managed Wham!, Yep, he um he's the guy that was so he was married to Yaz. Remember Yaz and the plastic population? Yes. The only way is up. Yes. So he was married to Yaz. So they oh. were the couple were Jazz and Yaz. Oh, that's she was also signed to Big Life, but he is the guy that was responsible for Wham being the first band to ever play in China, the first Western group to do a tour in China, and oh. it was kind of a fight, not a fight, but. It was meant to be Queen, and he basically beat Queen to it. And it was huge. Wham going on. It made international news. Wham going to China to play these gigs. And when they went, George Michael purposely dyed his hair blonde because he said the people of China just wouldn't be used to seeing blonde hair, and it made him stand out. Right. Jazz Summers went to Gordon Boys School, which is just up the road from here. It's military. No. I know it said that in the story, but it's it maybe it used to be. It's not anymore. It's a private school. It though. is a private yeah. school. People move into the catchment. It's not a boys' school anymore either. They take girls. But it's just interesting that there seem to be this pocket of successful musical industry people from or living in Surrey. Near you. Which Do you is, think they're well, no, honing around you? Near both of us. <laughs> so I'll mention more on that later. Uh, Jade recalls that when they got the record deal, he was so young, only 15, his parents had to sign for him. Uh, and then when they all got together, they realised that all of their parents knew each other, which was serendipity, as they described it, or as we know it, boy bandipity, at work. <laughs> their first single was What You See, in brackets, parentheses, is what you get, in December 95, and that only went to number 90. Uh, the second single, Anything, which is the one the Jackson 5 cover, was released in July 96, and that went to number 68. Now, I found this quite interesting. You sent me your notes before we did this mm. episode, because I was like, I know nothing. I'd like mm. to read up a bit on it and know what I'm going into. Yeah. I found that quite interesting, because for other boy bands, at around the same time, that would have been it for them. Yeah. The, when you look at the Upside Down story... They'd have been done. It would have been like, we're not spending any more money on you. You're over. But it wasn't for damage. I wonder if it was because of their age and because they were so young and maybe Big Life hadn't invested a lot into promotion or... Mm. Who knows? Somebody get Big Life on the phone. In October 96... Just... Just died, so... (laughs) It's going to be hard. That's not funny. I wasn't laughing at that. 
In October 96, their single Love to Love was released. Raz says the pop star bubble took hold when they hit number 12 with that song. Love to Love was their third single and the second single taken from their debut album Forever. It is widely regarded as the band's breakthrough single, having peaked at number 12 on the UK singles chart and 82 in the US, where it was their only charting release. The single was also released across Europe and did all right in Germany. It was written by Wayne Hector. He's a name that's going to come up again, who has worked a lot with Westlife, 1D, Nicki Minaj, The Wanted, Ollie Murs, uh, Ali Tennant and Brian Powell. The music video showed the band being strung up by a woman with alien-like characteristics and being controlled like puppets. So potential inspiration for Sync. Bye Bye Bye, a few years later. And O-Town's Liquid Dreams. Oh, yeah. Alien Woman. Wasn't, theirs wasn't so much an alien, but she definitely wasn't a woman woman, was I she? I love the fact they hated Liquid Dreams, <laughs> but they had to do it because otherwise they weren't going to be given the song they wanted. Anyway, enough about O-Town. The next song they released, Damage released, not O-Town, uh, was called Forever. And that was charted at number six. And from there, they said it just kept building. Forever was notable for being both the first song that Steve Mack and Wayne Hector wrote together and the song that caught the ear of Simon Cowell and effectively led to Steve Mack becoming the chief songwriter producer for many of Simon Cowell's subsequent projects. Now, Steve Mack was born in Chertsey, which for people who don't know the geography, is also Surrey. And Wayne Hector lives in Surrey. Is Chessington in Surrey? Yeah. So Technically, they, it's classed as London now, yeah. but it's, it's uh, my Surrey. postcode is Surrey. Basically, yeah. Surrey is where it all happens. Harry Potter is from Surrey. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure we can bring Harry Potter into the boy bands. I mean, so they, the Jam I, are from Surrey. Yeah. Well, technically, people. Eton. Eton Rifles, was, he lived down the road from Eton, didn't he? Oh. That's why Paul Weller wrote the song Eating Rifles because he hated eating schoolboys. <laughs> now, Wayne Hector and Steve Mack were both names that I knew just because of the extensive amount of people that they've worked with. They're yeah. both names that I know. And, and I have huge lists of people that they work with. Yeah. So Hector had written um, for Rixton Westlife. He wrote... Remember when we did the Eurovision episode, we mm-hmm. talked about Nicky Byrne trying to get into Eurovision. Yes. He wrote that song. Oh. Um, he's written for Boys Own 5, A1, O-Town, uh, Human Nature. O-Town. Yes. He wrote All Rise for Blue. He did yes. solo stuff for both Simon Webb and Lee Ryan. He's written for 98 Degrees, Natural, which is a Lou Pearlman boy band, yeah. JLS, One Direction, Midnight Red and 5 SOS. So that's Wayne Hector. Steve Mack has written for Westlife, yeah. Why Don't We, 5 SOS, Pretty Much, which is the boy band I followed them all on Instagram this week. And you're like, who are these people yeah, we're following? I don't know who they are. <laughs> uh, he's written for Liam Payne, yeah. Union Jane, Shane Filan, yeah. The Wanted, Il Devo, one Direction, JLS, Ronan, he wrote, uh, he's written for five, and he wrote O-Town's All or Nothing. Wow. I wonder how many of those that came up on both of them they co- they wrote together on. Uh, I didn't write down a list of them mm. track by track. I, I, I guess a lot of them, they're working together think- on the boy bands, but just the boy band pedigree mm. that Damage are mm. working with here. I just yeah. That's why I, I made and notes well, on it. They were the ones the that The pedigree of who together. they're working with, yeah. Because they, this was the first time they'd worked together. So I also read that Flying Without Wings, which is one of Westlife's biggest songs, 
was also yeah. written by one slash both of them. Yeah. Sorry, carry on for okay. me interjection. I just it it's yeah. that what we were just talking about in the in the break is the you know the six degrees of boy band separation mm. that everyone's connected to everyone else and apparently everyone's connected via Wayne Hector and Steve Mack. Yes. Carry on. Sorry. I will. Andre said at this point, the girls came in bucket loads. You didn't have to try. They just came. Ras added, Corey had this unbelievable swagger that just enabled him to get anything and anyone that he wanted. Corey agreed. Player. I know. Well, Corey <laughs> says, yep, yeah, models, dancers, the top end on the lady spectrum, which I thought was gross. Dick. Um, Andre had said then they were all over Corey. He just didn't say no. And Raz agreed. I often look at him and be like, man, I wish I was you. Uh, Corey said that he enjoyed the ladies a lot more than the other guys. So the other guys would go to bed. He wouldn't be sleeping, though. He. Ooh. Yeah. I get that. That's the boy band thing. Like, I'm not under any illusion at all that just because the what's marketed about boy bands is they're good nice clean boys and they don't have girlfriends and they go to bed with a glass of milk at nine o'clock <laughs> we not know under, that's all bullshit yeah i'm not under any illusion that they're not banging as many fans as they can yeah. but it's just that the fact that he's devour it, it's like that devouring the mm. fact that all these people wanted me and i was just having at it as much as yeah. i could it's just a bit like oh easy dudes oh, i watched something this week that said I don't even remember which boy band it was that I was I was watching, but they said we got into this for the women. Nine one one was it nine one one? There we go. That's all we got into it was for the women, not for the music. Because they they worked in the same club as Jason, yes. and they saw Jason having loads of women. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of alcohol from a very early stage. They'd go out, get lots of bottles of champagne, and live like they were rich, but in reality they weren't. They'd order cars to take them wherever they wanted and they'd go to a club and have the cars waiting outside for them, not realising that they were clocking up a massive bill. So when the label came to them and presented the bill, they had spent 13 grand on cars (laughs) alone for the first few months. Okay. Um, I know, sorry, Noelle was secretly dating Alicia Dixon. So she was, this was before she was famous and she lived in Welling Garden City and Uh she worked in a lab because that was just a job. So she hadn't really embarked in any of her music career. She was secretly dating him and she she said in her biography they managed to hide it because of, you know, who other people in the band were dating at the time. But Noelle would get cabs from London up to Welling Garden City and have them waiting outside. Mm. And he'd charge those cars back to the label. Which, as we know... (laughs) <laughs> doesn't get paid for by the label. No. She um at least she does get a mention in the notes of their first album Forever and she also she's in one of their videos as well. Oh. But she eventually traded Noel in for MC Harvey. Oh, I met him once. He kissed me. He used to play football for Wimbledon. Yeah, he did. So Corey was partying hard at this point and being reckless. Jade and Corey both started taking ecstasy and Andre recalls this is all where it started going wrong. It is also alleged that the band became prominent for slagging fellow competitors, with A1 and Craig David being noted, and also the corporate ethics of the music industry. I spent ages trying to Google this to see if I could find some news stories, and I couldn't find anything at all. It's also antagonistic, though. Like, even you're you're riding high at the minute, boys. Mm. Like, if you're slagging off the people that are the reason why you're riding high, then you're you're probably about to have a bit of a downfall because they're yeah. not going to keep you're not going to keep getting that support that you need 
when it starts to wane yeah if you've just been bitching about these people that well, are making it happen all the time Corey talks about that years later when he was trying to reach out to producers that he'd worked with during damage and they just wouldn't take his calls yeah. so <laughs> there we go i wouldn't either so by 97, I'm going to have to edit this the other way around because I've got 98 before that. So by 97, Damage were at their peak. Love Guaranteed had been released in March and they reached number seven with that, followed in May with their biggest single to date, which was a cover of the Eric Clapton classic, Wonderful Tonight, and that went in at number three. Andy Peters um, was quoted as saying, this is brilliant, <laughs> behind the scenes, it was less Eric Clapton and more Rex and Clapped Out. As drink and drugs took hold. <laughs> oh, also, the, the B-side of Wonderful Tonight was a song called I'm Ready. And Craig David won a songwriting competition and worked on that. And that was his very, very first job or exposure to the industry before he started working with the Artful Dodger. Oh. See, everyone's connected. They followed the success of Wonderful Tonight with uh, Love Lady in August 97, which only hit number 33. That was their last single released on Big Life. How could Big Life treat them like that after they, you know... Spent all their money. Yeah, <laughs> and showed them such respect. Yes, yes. Oh, God, love your label. Corey said some of them started doing harder drugs than, than weed and said at first it was social and then you find yourself doing them at home on your own because you feel bad and you want to pick yourself up and then you feel bad about doing it and it's a vicious circle. It's kind of how drugs work, dude. That's... Right. Raz recalls they had a lot of disagreements within the band, but when it was a disagreement with Corey, he was always, I'm right, you're wrong, that's the end of it. The other bandmates described him as argumentative, confrontational and dangerous. Corey even described himself as arrogant, aggressive and violent at times. There was a time he spat in Noel's face and nobody had the balls to challenge him or sit down and, and say, you're going to listen to us. It was just, he was completely out of control. Drinking, yes. drugging, etc. Is that we've discussed this before of when you put young boys who aren't necessarily mature and surround them with yes men and their perception of what is appropriate and suitable and their like the growing up doesn't happen because it's people telling them of course you can you want a car for night of course you can have a car for night just ring them out and they'll wait outside for you and there's no perception of like the actually in in the real world this is what this costs yeah and they might eventually get that after the boy band thing stops but right now here and in it mm. no one's brave enough to stand up and go actually dude stop that they think and they're even, untouchable yeah That's and even thing. within the own band they're yeah. saying no one would stand up and tell Corey to stop it mm. um they at this point they embarked on an extensive touring schedule which was the forever tour which was in 1998 and they were negotiating a new recording contract because big life had collapsed probably due to the expensive the expenses that damage incurred <laughs> on their cars and everything else. Imagine if you're a record company that's been together for years and has had all this success and its downfall comes out because some, some dude fucking from boy damage band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wants to go out clubbing and doesn't want to pre-Uber but doesn't want to have to then wait for a cab on the, on the way home. In 2000, they signed with Cool Tempo Records uh, and released the second album's first single, Ghetto Romance. I think that's the only damaged song i really know oh really yeah can you sing it no the song was produced <laughs> by grammy winning producers tim and bob and peaks at number seven on the uk singles chart 
On the 30th of August, Rumours was released as the second single, and that was a mixture of R&B and two-step, and that reached number 22. What's two-step? I don't know. Okay. I thought it was going to be something like dubstep. Oh. But then I thought maybe it was that dancing where you just tap. Because that feels <laughs> like two-step. We're not cool enough to know. Uh, the second album was initially due for release on the 25th of September 2000, following the release of the single Rumours, but the release date was pushed back to allow for new material to be recorded, and this resulted in the album's track listing being changed. So I do wonder if this was a label decision, because they just switched labels, and if they were like, we need some new material because we don't like these last yeah, few the tracks. Yeah, the stuff that was okay before is now not okay. Yeah. Right. So the second album, Since You've Been Gone, was released, (laughs) not that one, on the 2nd of April 2001. And the final release omitted the last tracks of the old album that they didn't like and replaced them with I Don't Know, which featured Emma Bunton, After the Love Has Gone, and a Mushtack mix of So What If I. Now, Mushtack is a producer. Yeah, again, not cool enough to know. No. The third and fourth singles... Do you think will it ever be cool enough to know? (laughs) Definitely not. The third and fourth singles were Still Be Loving You, released in March 2001, which got to number 11, and So What If I, released in July uh, 2001, and that reached number 12. By the end of 2001, Damage's career was in free fall. They parted ways with their record label. Um, Raz mentions um, EMI when he's interviewed in the big reunion, but Cool Tempo was a subsidiary of EMI. Yeah, it's one of their... We want this to appear like it's off an indie label type thing, but it's actually owned by... Yeah, all the labels do it. Exactly. Um, So they held a crisis meeting about their future. (laughs) Corey dropped a bombshell. (laughs) (laughs) He turned up late, high, and was nervous. He told the rest of the band he was leaving. He just wasn't up for doing it anymore. He said later that it was one of the scariest things he'd ever had to do. He gave them no explanation. He hadn't consulted anyone else about it, no family or friends. It was just like it was an impulsive decision. The rest of the band were completely dumbfounded and really very hurt by the way it was handled. I um, read an interview earlier. I was trying to look up to see what Corey had done post big reading but i read an interview about how he says that he he claims that he told them repeatedly that he wanted to be allowed to go and do solo work Mm. so it's kind of like you know i love what we're doing with damage i want to have solo projects and they said no and gave him an ultimatum so it was like it's either solo work or ask and choose so he chose solo and i've not seen any of that when i watched the big reunion stuff none of that was in there i just wonder yeah there's a lot of stuff omitted from the big reunion yeah and I wonder if that's because there's like there's two so- there appears to be two sides to this story. There's yes. Corey's side and there's Damage's side. Well, yeah. Jade said he was shocked initially when Corey left, but then thought that they probably should have seen it coming. The band was left with a lot of debt, which was approximately a hundred thousand pounds at that time, and the rest. It's of the... like two months worth of taxes. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the band said that Corey got away scot free, and then some of the rest of the band were still paying off the debt to that day so that was in 2014 they had said that they had no label the band was crumbling but they had massive bills from their lawyers and from the tax man they had to pay the bills and so they went on stage for the next few months without Corey saying he was ill now we've seen this before yeah the four members released after the love has gone as the fifth and final single from the album and then they decided to split in December 2001 after it only reached number 42 
Andre recalls there was no press conference. They just wound the band up. They formed a new band, the four of them, called Cherry Black Street, but they just couldn't agree on a new sound and their bond fell apart. Raz says he was booted out by the others and from the way he tells it, oh my God, he was mad. They reunited in 2010 to perform at Party in the Park in Leeds. Is it Party in the Park? Is that the big Radio 1 one or is that the more, it's the... Like Capital Radio version of like BM, it, I think BRMB. It's the capital. Yeah. I think it used to be the Capital version, but now they've got Party in the Park, Tea, tea in the Park. And tea all... in the Park was always an indie festival. Right. So Party in the Park's one of these one day. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a Capital one. Yeah. So there's a big gap between them breaking up in 2001 and then reuniting in 2010. We'll get to what they did in between mm. in a minute, but they did reunite in 2010 to perform at Party in the Park in Leeds. Um, they had initially agreed that they were all going to travel up together, but Corey turned up with some randoms and travelled up in a different car to the others. The gig went off with no issues, but there was that kind of, again, split where there was Corey on his own and then the others. Um, and then backstage, Corey was just out of control. He was downing booze, although he denies this, saying that everyone was drunk and had been drinking, (laughs) so their judgment was off. They later discussed that although they were all drinking, he didn't realise that they weren't drinking to the excess that he was, which, when you're pissed, makes sense. So he did seem to accept that when the others said that. We've had that, friend. God, don't. (laughs) The others wanted to get out of the venue quickly to preserve their reputation and so that nobody saw you know damage behaving this way and on the motorway back to london the guys who in the four other damaged guys were in one vehicle and they were behind the car that Corey and his friends were in and they said they could see the car like going all over the road and then it stopped and Corey was having a fight with someone inside the car so they stopped their car they got out to try and split it out split it up and sort it all out and they realized in that moment that they could not work with Corey anymore. Mm. They suggested that Corey should go into rehab, but he was really, really angry because they had insinuated he was doing drugs again, and he adamantly denies that. I mean, this this sounds like addictive behaviour to me, but okay. Uh, Raz had offered to set it up, but Corey just wouldn't accept that they knew about his substance misuse. So, and then Corey kept saying, well, there's four of them. So it's a unified story from their side, whereas I know the truth. But actually there was a fracture between the others because Jade and Andre were really good friends. Jade was best man at Andre's wedding and Raz and Noel were really good friends although noel did also attend andre's wedding there was still kind of that they weren't as unified as i think yeah. he, his perception of it was but he's he, he's got that complex isn't it everyone's against me yes. complex yes which maybe drug driven may just be the, the type of personality he yeah, is could be so in their break, Andre had studied sociology and criminology after they had split and he works now with young offenders. Ras became a photographer and a youth worker. Uh, Noel was grafting as a bricklayer for his uncle, but then Ras brought Noel into the youth club as well. So those three all ended up yeah. working with young people. Now they were at this point all paying off this debt. Well, I say all. They had this debt to pay off and there is a conflicting story between Raz and Andre because Raz initially said that he was paying the debt himself before Andre then got involved 
But Andre says he was the one who contacted all the creditors and tried to work out deals with them. But that kind of backfires on him because that then meant that he had committed to paying off this debt. Yeah, he was the contact. It was like, who are we? Who do I go to? Oh, this dude's emailed us. Yeah. It's him. He's responsible for this debt. So none of the others helped other than Raz. And then he was basically completely screwed financially. And Andre ended up declaring bankruptcy. And he says... I I remember that bit from the big... Sorry, this might be what you're about to say. No, just that some very dark days followed. Yeah, the bit from the big reunion where it's him and his... I don't know if it's his girlfriend or wife. Yeah, wife. Talking about how they lost their home. Yeah. Over it, like, because they had to declare bankruptcy and that was them. So Raz went through a phase of being suicidal during their break as well after his relationship failed, but he credits his daughters with saving his life. Uh, Corey also said he was suicidal. He was high and homeless for a period. He said he would be stopped. He was living in Brighton or not living in Brighton, sleeping on the beach. And he said he would be stopped by fans for autographs autographs while on his way to score drugs. So it's like, (laughs) this is weird world he lived in. Um, he says he was caught drink driving and did 12 weeks in Wormwood Scrubs. Although I found an article online on a website called Female First. Yeah. And after I saw your notes, I so I have access to old newspapers from the yes. time. So I've confirmed that the Female First stuff was printed right. actually in an actual an actual newspaper yeah it was it <laughs> yeah. was it was in print so okay. it's like the the facts of it are slightly indisputable so. right so the female first article was dated the 26th of april 2006 and it says former damaged singer Corey richards has been sentenced to two months in prison after he was convicted of possessing an offensive weapon the english boy band star 28 admitted he threatened nightclub bouncers with a set of nunchucks which are two quashes linked by a train a chain in an by a train <laughs> in an essex nightclub Richards allegedly brandished the kung fu weapon, saying, You're going to get killed tonight. The ghetto romance hitmaker was jailed for nine weeks after he admitted possessing an offensive weapon and causing fear of violence. Yeah. So, whether that got hushed up for the big reunion, 12 weeks seems like a lot for drink driving. Oh, yeah. And drink, <laughs> drink driving tends to be a, unless you've got other drink driving or lost your points. Yeah. It's a points and a fine type thing or, yeah. a, or a driving ban. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a banged up. No. In a 2012 interview with The Voice, Corey claimed the band wrote a letter to their fans in 2010. This was after the incident on the motorway following Party in the Park. To tell the fans they'd asked Corey to leave and they hadn't even had the decency and manners to tell Corey first. Well... You're drunk. It's really hard, isn't it? Because yes, they all, and again on so the big reunion. Again on the big reunion, they and the conversation on the big reunion got very heated, and no one was letting each other speak. Mm. So you you never heard the reasoning behind this, but at least two of them said we did tell you. Yes. So I don't know if that's a. Yeah. It's he was ignoring it. He's in denial. He didn't hear or, it. Yeah. Just didn't hear it. So Corey started his own label to keep his solo career dreams alive. He says leaving the band was the best thing he could have done. Didn't leave it, mate. No. <laughs> he said he wasn't getting any help from them. I could have ended up dead. If I had stayed with the boys, the spiral could have been uncontrollable. I wasn't prepared to take advice from anyone else, Corey That's, told the Daily Star. blaming them for his own but again, problems. this is classic I, addictive behaviour. Yeah, I, I get that the environment he's in is feeding into his addiction, but he's also 
blaming the environment and not yeah. taking any responsibility for because there's four other guys who yeah. didn't go down the same road as yeah. you so it's not who dabbled who drank yeah. who took drugs but didn't go yeah. to quite the same excess as Corey. exactly jade also talks about dark days following the band when he was drinking excessively he met his partner emma backstage in 1998 in manchester at a gig she made the first move after the band split, Jade trained to be a chef and ended up working at Claridge's. They now have two sons. Now, a little bit on Jade's partner, Emma. In 97, she dated British singer Lee Brennan from 911. Let's see. I know that our English listeners probably know exactly who this is. Already. Yeah, Already. That's, how, that's how I know who only, Jade Jones yeah, is. The yeah. only time you ever really heard or wrote, saw about damage in the papers was because of this relationship. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, Emma dated British singer Lee Brennan from 911. In the same year, she was briefly linked to American actor Leonardo DiCaprio, my other husband. Uh, she began dating British singer Jade Jones in 98, but then they split for the first time in May 99. From September 99 to September 2000, Emma was in a relationship with the England footballer Rio Ferdinand, who was introduced by her friends David and Victoria Beckham. In November 2000, she went back to Jade, but then they split for the second time in March 22. Sorry, I always do this, 2002. Second time in March 2002, when Emma decided to work again with Simon Fuller, and Jade was against that decision. In 2003, she was briefly linked to American singer, singer Justin Timberlake. Might have heard of him. In 2004, she reunited with Jade, and the rest is history. So... His partner is Emma Bunton, Baby Spice. Yes. There I was mean, a... I knew that. I, you knew that. There was no point. It suddenly, <laughs> Surprise! Was, there was no penny drop there along the way. But it, actually, that was I didn't know about the JT thing. And I mm. don't think I knew about Leo either. I think that was all rumoured. I knew about the Leo thing. But whether it happened or not, or whether it was yeah. just they were pictured together. She definitely got her fill. Like, yeah. good for you. You're moving in those circles. Damn and straight. you have the opportunity to fucking go for it. Would you fuck Leonardo DiCaprio if you got the chance? I don't know that I, oh my God, I he fancy is. Leo. I love Leo so much. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon would definitely get it. Oh. And I know that some people have issues with Ben Affleck. but Problematic, but he still would get it. Absolutely get it. <laughs> uh, so there was a feeling within the band, and by within the band I mean Raz, that um, perhaps Jade's relationship with Emma had a detrimental effect on the band because of the press intrusion that soared when their relationship began, as you would imagine. Yeah, and this is what I mentioned before, the reason that Noel was able to hide his relationship with this 19-year-old girl. And, like, the relation... Like, Noel and Alicia Dixon only came out in her biography a long time after she'd been famous, even though she'd had a relationship with other people, only came out when she wrote about it because they were able to hide behind yeah. the fact that all the focus was on Jade and Emma. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Jade also in 2006 participated in and won the games, which is a reality TV show. Yeah. With celebrities like an Take Olympic games. Yeah. yeah. It was quite good. Uh, Shane Lynch did it as well. I'm not sure if it was the same series. There's a lot of spandex. A lot of spandex. <laughs> Shane Lynch with his tattoos out and his spandex on. Yes, please. In early 2014, Damage reformed as a four without Corey, shock, for the second series of the ITV2 documentary, The Big Reunion. Yes. Along with other bands, which were Eternal, A1, 3T, 
fifth story and girl thing, although Corey did appear on the show to talk about the band and meet with his bandmates one last time. Going into the meet for the big reunion, there was nervousness, animosity, and a call for security to be available. (laughs) They met at the venue they split up at, the Tabernacle in Notting Hill. Corey was late, as usual, which annoyed the others, Raz in particular, who was the person who pointed it out. He was like, have you noticed? We're all here. To be fair, the producers probably told them different times (laughs) just to get that (laughs) right. Interestingly, when they got back into a room, Corey didn't see why there would be any issue with like between the band. But when, but so we were saying earlier about how he's blaming everyone but himself. If he was in rehab or had been to rehab and had gone through the twelve step program, the ninth step is to apologise for all the wrongs that you've done. So, yeah, you're meant to track down. That's the whole premise of uh, my name is Earl. Right. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> So I do wonder if he ever went to rehab or had any sort of treatment for his substance abuse. Uh, Corey was very defensive in the meeting. He refused to accept what he was accused of. There were some accusations of social media posts made against other band members' partners, which he also denied. That was amusing to me. Do you think that was me or do you think that was my people? And it's kind of like, dude, you're sleeping on Brighton Beach. You've got no money, you've been to jail, no one believes you have people doing your social media. And then they pulled up screenshots and proved it, and he was like, okay. So he talked a lot about how hard he had had it, and he did eventually apologise, although it was aggressively, and they all decided that they had to part ways. They didn't talk anything about the good old times. It was a real shame. Yeah. It was quite heartbreaking, actually, to see. And I think, although... The, the other four definitely wanted to air some grievances and get things, but they wanted to air it, get it out of the way, and then, then move on. Right. But he came in so aggressively. Defensive. That, that they got yeah. defensive, and they... Ganged up is the wrong word, but they, they were very obviously a unit, even yeah. though they had problems with each other and things yeah. they wanted to talk about. It, you could see... Well, the four of them were ready to move on. So yeah. even though they'd had their individual differences, they were like... They wanted yeah, to move fun. on and, and get back into it and become the yeah. thing they were before. Yeah. And he he wasn't willing to make the contribution mm. and the steps that they needed to make that happen. Right. And there was this really weird moment where he said that he had gone to Andre and told Andre something about his life that was just epically bad or life-changing and Andre was like I literally have got no idea what you're talking about so again whether Corey had tried to ask for help and Andre hadn't heard it or whether he hadn't really said it whether his intention had been to approach Andre and ask for help but Andre was baffled because he was like I'm wasn't the closest to Corey so why he would ask me I don't know there was a an article written in the metro by Raz Raz And I'm going to read it. It's quite long, so bear with me. But it talks about the big reunion and their conversation with Corey. I wish they had shown us what went on before Corey arrived, because I had a number of issues with Andre and Jade that I addressed but didn't get shown. Corey arrived late. We were told he was meant to be with us at a certain time. As he enters the room, it's clear that he just wants to move on and leave any wrongdoings in the past. However, the tension was high from the start. This was the first time we had all met after a barrage of online insults from Corey, which he denied, then eventually admitted after we showed him the tweets and Facebook messages. Things became even more tense when Corey mentioned that he disclosed something that happened to him that changed his life and almost brought him to death. 
Now, for a group that are deemed to be brothers, we have to question why none of us knew about this incident. I still don't know what Corey is talking about, and neither does Andre, who Corey claims he told. But the heated exchange between Corey and Andre at this point made it very clear that this was going to be very hard to resolve. As the reunion goes on, myself, Andre, Jade and Noel become down and disheartened. But the truth of the matter is... We just wanted him to take responsibility for his previous actions that hurt us as a band and as friends. I have, us... <laughs> I have no bad feelings towards Corey. I just wanted to clarify as to why he did certain things. In order for us to move forward, you have to understand how a person thinks and why certain things happened. The low point for me in the show is when Corey reverted to name calling. I don't think that was necessary, as we are all grown men and fathers, as Corey had mentioned. One of our main regrets in filming this show is that we didn't get to talk about our good times as a five-piece, which is such a shame. Fortunately, we can forgive, but unfortunately, it's hard to forget. So like you said, they never got the opportunity to yeah. really discuss all the really good parts. And you don't like I was saying before, damage didn't necessarily attract a massive amount of press. Like when you look now, mm. when you sent me the notes earlier, I was kind of like, I want to find out i want to know about this and i want to know about that and they just didn't attract press that other boy bands would for the same kind of things like i wanted to read about the them leaving uh i can't remember the name of the record label the big record, life big life i wanted to find out about why the split with big life happened was there any more to that mm. and it's just, there's just nothing on google they didn't have that same level of press interest Do and i don't know if that's a race thing yeah that they weren't seen as the kind of band that sells papers to people. Or maybe but then the they... bad things got press attention. And yeah, maybe I mean, maybe they were they were R and B rather than pop. Yeah, so, I mean there was it was poppy, but mostly yeah. R and B. Maybe it was that. Maybe there was an element of race to it because, as we all know, the British press is not the most. Yeah. But it's not. It's very hard to read up on. Did damage have like? Did they enjoy what was what was their highlight? What was yeah. the bits that they had fun doing together? Where's the love between them? Mm. You can't find that because what you do get when you now look for damage, yes, is newspapers reporting on what happened in the big reunion where yes they had the confrontation. That's what it's all about, which feeds into the the whole race issue for for yeah. the British press. Yeah. So. Big reunion went off. All went really well with the four of them. Yeah. The end. Other the end. No, no, no. The I boys know. are back. No. Other <laughs> big reunion two points of note. Okay. So the other uh, acts that took part in the big reunion season two were A1. Yes. 3T. Fifth. So, so both of those are boy bands. Fifth Story, which was a boy band made up from Kenzie from Blazing Squad. We've already mentioned. Adam Ricketts and um, Kavanagh, who were both Nigel Martin-Smith protégés. Yep. He is Take That's original manager. And then Gareth Gates. And Dane Bowers, who was initially in another level. He was also involved with Upper Street. Yep, another and, contrived boy band. Yes, and he's part of this new Bad Boys on the Block. So Another contrived boy band. Yeah. So there was... Four boy bands in this. There yeah. was A One Three Two, Fifth Story, and Damage. There was then Girl Thing, which was a girl band. Uh, Jody from Girl Thing married Key and Egan from Westlife, mm. and Lindsay had a relationship with Brian McFadden pre Kerry Katona, I think. So there's the that's very early in their career, then, because yes. Kerry yes. got into him. Before... 
you know what I mean? But that was also yeah, very early it was in their very, career. So Yes, it was. Um, also, Girl Thing lived in my ex's house in my village in Surrey. Oh, yeah. Another Surrey connection. Yep. And Eternal. Can we just say, can I just say that Esther and Vernie from Eternal, the two sisters, were fucking bitches in the big reunion. <laughs> they were so horrible to Kelly. They were really horrible they to They were her. horrible to the voice coach as well when she Evie. asked a question yeah. that everyone expected to be asked. And they yeah. were like, we're sick of being asked the question. Yeah. It's kind of like... Divas. Yeah. So Esther from Eternal was married to Shane Lynch from Boyzone and they had a kid together. So I there completely is... forgotten I know, that I think link. A lot of people had. So every single band in the series was linked to a boy band. Again, six degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah. So... Damage achieved success in the 90s with 11 hit singles, including four top 10 successes on the UK singles chart. They have sold 2.5 million records worldwide. They continue to tour as a four-piece. They do small festivals and gigs, mostly looking uh, online um, across the country. And there's also a big reunion Ibiza show happening in October this year. Yeah, which is just boy bands. It's the big reunion right. boy bands. So, And they're also still working their day jobs which their social media profiles show. So if you go to Raz's Twitter, it's all him promoting his photography. He does workshops on yeah. smartphone photography and that sort of thing. And um, Andre's still working with young people, etc. So in 2019, following a mad bout of boy bandipity, Damage announced they would be touring the UK in 2020 as part of the Boys Are Back tour alongside 911, A1 and 5. So we are going to see them. Yeah, in March next year. So I'm we'll see them a couple of times. Let I you think. know what they're like. I know like, you are. Yeah. I, I just want to bring up the fact that Corey seems to remain incredibly bitter the whole. Yes. About the whole thing. Yes. To the point that his a couple of his solo work, or solo tracks that I found. So the first one, he had a single in 2005 called "I Don't Give a Damn." <laughs> I was going to say, is it <laughs> one of those ones with a hidden meaning? <laughs> Uh, not that hidden and he also had two other singles in 2011 then in 2014 he brought out an album which was called damaged but not broken oh yes i saw this it's kind of like dude does everything have to be was that on his everything own have to be a subtweet yeah it was yeah. on his own label well i on his twitter it hasn't been active since i think 2015 none of the links work actually mm. the damage official website link that they've all got on their socials doesn't work so oh. every time i went on twitter to find out more i'd click on a link didn't exist yeah. so but yeah it's kind of i don't want to get over the, it Corey. get over it girl but <laughs> dude yeah i think he did feel very bitter about the whole thing but it's a shame because he was in that band from teenage and to still feel bitter now in his yeah. 40s. It's be so much in the back of your mind that anything positive you're trying to do, great, you're working on a solo career, you've got solo music, and mm. but yeah, I don't blame people for not taking your calls mm. if everything is a... a and I think a the subtweet. rest of Damage would say the same, that every time they tried to speak to him, it was just a negative experience. Yeah. So what's the fucking point? Yeah, the other thing that I... Um, pulled up and when I was looking so when you said that they'd work with Steve Mack and Wayne Hector mm -hmm. I, I wanted to figure out which tracks it was that they'd worked on just yeah. a matter of interest and while I was going through their album credits I came across the fact that they'd also worked with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis right. who are huge 
they like writers and producers they're massive and it, it was actually quite a shock to me that they worked with damage because i was kind of right that's they're well out of damages league so i just the the acts that jimmy jam and terry lewis have worked with they basically made Janet Jackson. So they mm. wrote Nasty, Let's Wait a While, What Have You Done For Me Lately, and Rhythm Nation. They worked with New Edition plus them as solo acts. So Johnny Gill and Ralph Tresvant, they worked with them. They worked with Colour Me Bad, mm. Boys to Men. They were involved in the production of George Michael's Faith. Oh. They worked with Mary J. Blige, Jay-Z, LL Cool J, and TLC, Usher, The Spice Girls, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, Aretha Franklin, 50 Cent, and Gareth Gates. So no one big then. <laughs> no. Um, they <laughs> also Gates. He gets in everywhere, <laughs> old Gareth Gates. They also did um, some of Jordan Knight's solo work. So Give It To was produced. I don't know if it was written. It was at least produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I bought that single. Oh, I did Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. <laughs> Great. So that is the story of Damage. I have prepared the science. Great. Let's get sciencey. Oh, no, no, no. Let's do a Jennifer Aniston thing. Go, here comes the science part. Concentrate. Okay, how do they point? They do fairly well on UK chart points. They had a few hits and a couple of albums out that all charted reasonably well. Uh, not so much on the US where they only get the lowest, well, other than having naught, they get the lowest amount you can get in the US because they had one, it went to 88, 87, 82. 82. Yeah. Not bad, better than we've ever done. <laughs> they were together for six years. They reformed, they've been back together for five years. We give them average style points. There wasn't really a look. Mm. They Their look was of this time. Mm. They lose a point for losing a member. They didn't play instruments. They did a little bit of their own songwriting. And they've had they've had very worthwhile post-boy band careers for what they do, working with youth and oh, you yeah. know, young children, but not show-busy boy band, mm. not the, necessarily the careers that we award them big points for. Yeah. So they fall in. Do you want me to do a rundown? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go from... Number 20. Okay. So at number 20, we have Upside Down. Yeah. 19, Us 5. Mm. We then hit a barrage of Eurovision and X Factor boyfriends. Why so, don't we just skip ahead across yeah. those? So <laughs> we go to number 12. It's big fun. Yeah. No, I agree. It's mm-hmm. Once they get pushed out of that top 20, I'm we can't wait for the moon. Get out. <laughs> uh, number 12 is big fun. 11, LFO. Yeah. Number 10, EYC. Yeah. Number 9, BB Mac. Mm. At number 8, Damage. Oh. 7 is Human Nature. 6, PJ and Duncan. 5, Criss Cross. 4 is Bross. 3 is 5. Number 2 is the Jonas Brothers. And number 1. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. The Bay City Rollers. Yes. How did I know? How did I know? Damage at number it's 8. Big. That's not bad. It's quite good. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they'll stay in the top 10 for long, but, yeah, you know. And the basic rollers, do you think they're the one we're working on? Do you think they're under threat? Yeah. Good chance they're under I threat. I reckon, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, so that's this week's chart. So, Thank you very much, Amy. I really enjoyed that. Good. I'm, I, I am disappointed that, that there wasn't a lot of positivity around mm. damage. And, and like 
we both mentioned earlier, I think that's because the positive stuff wasn't necessarily reported yeah. about and it's it's not there in the archives for yeah. us to find out historically about them. I haven't... This, the obsession hasn't taken hold of me with this boy band. They've not gripped you. No. But the music's not really my jam. Yeah. It's good, it's good, it's okay. We're going to have to get used to some of them because we're going to see them play. I'm so. sure after we've seen them live, I will change my mind. <laughs> Fine, you'll come, you'll come away O-Towned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I'm a whatever Damage fan is called now. So if you are a Damage fan and you can tell us, like, give us a, a two, three songs that for Amy and I to like focus on these ones, these will make you love Damage, then tweet us. You can tweet us at theboybandpod.com. You can get us on Instagram at I'm With The Boy Band. We're on Facebook. Our Facebook group is called I'm With The Boy Band. Come find us. If you would like to support the podcast, like so many of you wonderful people already do, we're on Patreon and you can subscribe from anything from, I think, $2. Yeah. We are patreon.com forward slash boyband. Or you can drop us an email. We are theboybandpod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you So all. many things for everyone to remember. Thank I you, know. guys. Let's give them a challenge. So this week, actually, my challenge this week is if you listen to us regularly and you love us, tell one friend. Go out and find a friend who you think would like the podcast and tell them. Tell them this is your bag. Whack it on in the car. That's mm. my call to action this week tell your mates don't yeah, don't, don't <laughs> leave them hanging and missing out let them know we're finding really random friends of ours going oh my god o-town just came on on my shuffle and we're like oh i didn't know you were even a boy band fan so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah things like that happen you never know who might be interested okay so thanks this week amy go to the big reunion mostly digital spy all music the mirror and the metro and damage for yeah damaging me (laughs) (laughs) we will see you next week our theme music is dance with you by fire and lights from the songs about a girl trilogy by chris russell visit songsaboutagirl.com we will be back next week we will be back next week i'm not drunk to continue in our quest to finding the The ultimate ultimate boy band but don't forget the ultimate boy band isn't the one that falls at the top of our charts it is the one that got you from there no, it's the one that was there when you needed the most. <laughs> and got you from there to here. <laughs>